0: And joining us in the studio for the news briefings, Homi Horan. good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. Well, I just mentioned in the opening how there were 39 new cases of COVID-19 infections here in Korea. Our mm-hmm. total caseload now 11,629. Uh, still, uh, despite the recent concerns, uh, relatively speaking, uh, better off than uh, most of the rest of the world. What is the latest on the global situation?
1: The global picture right now is quite sobering. As we speak, worldwide some 6.66 million people have been infected with COVID-19, according to Worldometer. We're no longer seeing that exponential growth rate that we saw in the early stages of the pandemic, we're down to a linear progression now. For the past week, the number of daily new cases has been hovering around the 110,000-120,000 mark. Mm-hmm. By country, the U.S. has a highest caseload at just over 1.9 million, followed by Brazil with 595,000 and Russia with 441,000. South Korea ranks 52nd in this regard. In other words, there are at least 51 countries that have more coronavirus cases than Korea. And I'm saying at least because some countries are not doing the testings or keeping an accurate record. Now, to get a sense of the pandemic severity in each country, the other important metric to look at, of course, is the death toll. And the worldwide death count so far is 391,000. Almost a third of that number comes from the U.S., which has reported 110,000 deaths. Next is the U.K. with 40,000, and Italy with nearly 34,000. South Korea ranks 51st with 273 deaths.
0: Right, so uh, South Korea is fairly... um, uh kind of consistent in terms of their rankings both in the caseload and the fatalities. Right. Fatality is usually a lagging uh, mm-hmm. indicator, right, sure. with, with how the virus is progressing. Uh, particularly a lot of concerns with Brazil because of what I've been reading so far is that, uh, yeah, their case numbers are high. Uh, their, their fatalities are also problematic. But uh, this is perhaps not even uh, recounting the full story because right. they talk about infection rates and the lower the infection rates like here in Korea, it might mm-hmm. be like 0.2%. And that's uh, an indicator that you're getting a a pretty good you're casting a pretty wide well, net yeah. in terms of the community transmission in Brazil initially I think it was 20% yeah. and then later uh, 40% I think the latest infection rates uh, by the most recent round of testing is like 60% infection which it just right. means that every, anybody who's getting tested is almost guaranteed to right. to be infected so
1: you're testing very highly symptomatic people right,
0: right. Mm-hmm. and so uh, we hope that the global situation uh, can uh, certainly get to a level where uh, here in Korea uh, we do Tend to freak out over these uh, sporadic mm-hmm. and, and quite serious, of course, uh, cluster infections. But uh, again, relatively speaking, at a minor level. Now, uh, going forward, what are the best strategies uh, in terms of um, how the uh, the government and uh, the uh, authorities can uh, be uh, well prepared for future pandemic outbreaks? The government is now pushing for the KCDC to become a uh, a so called chung or administration on its own. It mm-hmm. would be more of a uh, autonomous or independent entity, and the ruling party is now proposing a revision to a relevant act for it on Monday. Uh, the Ministry of Interior and Safety made a pre-announcement of these uh, partial revisions. There's been some concerns here, uh, mostly on, I guess, a delineation of duties. But uh, right. um, in, in regards to that, the KCDC uh, director, Chung Eun-kyung, did address some of those worries?
1: That's right. Chung uh, Eun-kyung essentially echoed the health ministry's stance. Now, uh If we rewind things a bit, the main agenda here that the Moon administration is seeking for is to change the KCDC from being an organization under the direct uh, guidance of the health ministry to being a standalone administration of its own. Now, during this proposed separation from the health ministry, the KCDC is to leave behind a chunk of its organization with the health ministry, the chunk Mm. being called the National Institute of Health or Korean NIH for short, that is the main research and development arm of the kcdc and the country's infectious disease research and this has been the main point of concern for some people
0: yeah and there so the the worry is how can you have the kcdc kind of basically break off from mm-hmm. this uh, main research unit and I-, I guess the concept being you gotta study the diseases right. as well as combat the diseases mm-hmm. um, uh, but uh, why you, uh, Why are you doing this in the process of becoming an independent organization?
1: Right, so yesterday KCDC Director Chong eun said during a regular briefing that the NIH is the control tower of Korea's health and medical research and development and needs to be bigger and more specialized so the keywords there are Careers, health, and medical research. Mm. In other words, Tong is echoing the Health Ministry's earlier comments that the NIH doesn't just focus on infectious diseases; it conducts research in all areas of healthcare and should thus be integrated with the numerous other research groups of the Health and Welfare Ministry. Now, back to just concentrating on infectious diseases and research on that. The NIH will concentrate on studies about vaccines and treatments, while the newly upgraded version of the KCDC will study policies and epidemiological investigations.
0: The uh, nomenclature, if people uh, follow this, will, uh, they will notice that it is quite similar to the U.S. The U.S. has its yeah. own NIH. Mm-hmm. They have their own CDC and mm-hmm. in fact uh, used to be considered the uh, foremost sort of health authority around the world in combating sure. these kind of diseases. They are also in independent entities. But uh, I think it does highlight what, when we see with this recent COVID-19 situation that all of this is rendered moot if, if the top-down leadership is not uh, competent because uh, the U.S. has uh, had some right. concerns with mm-hmm. uh, the relative independent of -hmm. their uh, ostensibly independent CDC right Right. now in terms Mm -hmm. of how they have been handling uh, COVID-19. So um, that's a debate that will be going on and we'll see how that uh, legislation unfolds on Monday. Uh, In terms of the economic impact of this, uh, there have been various proposals uh, as far as policy and the idea of introducing universal basic income or UBI in Korea, that's actually gained some steam now. It's Mm -hmm. not as much of a sort of a pariah type of term to use Uh These days. And hearing Kim Jong un, he is the new head of the UFP's Emergency Committee for Reform. He's basically the de facto chairman of the party right now, right. Uh, the uh, traditionally conservative party. He's brought it up, and that's raised some eyebrows.
1: That's right, because the concept of EBI is usually associated with the progressive mm-hmm. bloc. But I guess if you look at Kim jong ins background, it's perhaps not as surprising. I mean, he's a veteran economist and politician, and he first raised the idea of UBI four years ago when he was heading then-main opposition DPK's emergency committee. Kim jong in said during a UFP emergency committee meeting yesterday that the time has come for lawmakers to take a fundamental review of a basic income system because the pandemic has caused a global recession. Kim later expanded on this idea at a separate press conference, saying that when new technologies such as artificial intelligence replace human labor, the unemployment problem will get worse and lead to a decrease in consumption, thereby necessitating a way of guaranteeing people's income.
0: Right, so... Now, before we all think he's uh, starting to sound like Bernie Sanders <laughs> here, uh, at the same time, he didn't necessarily answer any of the questions about, uh, you typically hear this on the conservative side when you bring up a, a big uh, social welfare program is how are you going to pay for it. Right, and he didn't address the issue of the funding um, and uh, that uh, whether this is going to be means tested or not, whether it means uh, you're just going to give this out to people who are, let's say, unemployed, mm-hmm. which kind of then kind of does away with the concept of universal uh, right. basic income. Uh, or are you just going to give it to the entire country
1: right and he seemed uh, very cautious about uh, increasing tax revenue which is usually the main method of getting funds for these things and when someone asked him if he's talking about reducing other welfare budgets kim jong-in outright dismissed that idea and in the end kim jong-in said that implementing a basic income system during an account deficit is a fantasy and that its actual introduction seems quite you know far off into the future and all of this has led some to take him's comments as more political message than him actually rooting yeah. or championing UBI you know taking it more as a PR move to water down UFP's image of tegekipude and being a backward party, so that it can appeal to younger voters.
0: Right. So uh, maybe some uh, lip service. Uh, what do you, young uh, redditors, say? <laughs> yeah. Like a JQ, right? Just asking questions here. Right. You know, this is just uh, throwing some some things out there. Uh, <laughs> but as you say, he does seem to be wanting to make a clean break from the really extreme right-wing, right wing uh, elements in his party. Uh, going from that uh, one extreme, then uh, to uh, the other extreme, we have the North Korean leader uh, Kim. Kim (laughs) Kim Jong-un's sister, Kim Yo-jong, now coming out once again uh, in a statement issued under her name, basically warning South Korea to tackle the problem of these propaganda balloons. Uh, uh, This is a response to a group of North Korean defectors sending 500,000 anti-Pyongyang leaflets across the border on Sunday.
1: That's right. North Korea's defector number two was not happy. She had some very creative expressions, Mm -hmm. um, as usual, to criticize North Korean defectors. Kim Yo-jong yesterday threatened to cancel the 2018 Panmunjom agreement between Seoul and Pyongyang aimed at reducing military tensions. She also threatened to completely withdraw from the Kaesong Industrial Complex if the propaganda leaflets keep going across the border. Now it's worth pointing out here that the recent balloons in question weren't sent from the South Korea uh, weren't sent from South Korea at a state level the South Korean government has not been sending anti-pyongyang leaflets across the border since the year 2000 so these were the doings of a South Korean activist group a civil group composed of North Korean defectors and currently there's no legal framework upon which the South Korean government can say hey stop mm. doing that stop sending those leaflets stop sending those balloons because basically it's protected under free speech.
0: So there would have to then be um, separate legislation that would specifically address that issue uh, rather than, I guess, overall subvert the Constitution, Mm -hmm. which uh, right now, as it stands, would protect the rights of these uh, defectors to send the balloons over. The Unification Ministry, uh, to that end, working on a bill now to to ban leaflet distribution. So... uh, before we talk about this, let's hear the remarks of Unif- Unification Ministry spokesperson Yosung yesterday. 정부는 government has been taking measures to stop the spread of so they
1: uh,
0: they have looked at uh, these scenarios where the uh, leaflets have been uh, sent over the border. Uh, they're trying to figure out some ways to, to try to prevent this, uh, root out the activities. And what their main concern is that uh, this might be sort of a uh, stumbling block in terms of trying to better relations between right. the two countries, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And he also said that in addition to uh, the leaflets escalating tensions across borders, the leaflets risk the lives and properties of the residents living in the border areas and must be stopped. He added that the ministry is preparing, as you heard in the sound clip, there to make legal adjustments to this end, and that a bill will likely be proposed by the government.
0: And that is going to be another debate uh, for the uh, National Assembly once that uh, legislation uh, is officially uh, proposed. Turning over to the prosecutors now, uh, they. They have uh, indeed decided to issue an arrest warrant for the uh, Samsung Air and mm-hmm. the uh, presumptive head, Vice Chairman Lee Jae-yong, over charges of market manip- manipulation and accounting fraud.
1: That's right, and it just comes uh, just two days after Lee Jae-yong asked to convene the Investigation Review Board. The Seoul Central District Prosecutor's Office filed an arrest warrant yesterday for Lee Jae-yong and two former Samsung Group top executives. The prosecution believes Samsung Biologics' accounting changes and its illegal activities during the merger between Samsung CNT and Tail Industries back in 2015. These were all carried out to help Lee Jae-yong gain managerial control of the Samsung group. Now on Tuesday, Lee... Lee he had asked the Seoul Central uh, District Prosecutor's Office to convene an investigation review committee so that external experts and lay laypeople could decide whether the prosecution should continue with their investigation. The citizen panel system was adopted in 2018 by the prosecution so that they themselves could be subject to review when dealing with a case of great public concern.
0: Right. Um, to be fair, uh, if... Uh Misurang and Henry were uh, before the prosecution and getting indicted, we probably would not have the, the clout to be able to ask them <laughs> to uh, no, convene th- such a- I think I have. Okay, no. <laughs> okay. But... Uh, he could have been indicted without detention. He mm-hmm. could have been um, just basically—the indicting. The indictment is not within question here, I guess, right. based on the evidence. It was just, I think, a political decision as to whether to push for a, uh, a detention warrant or not. And so, once again, the uh, judge will be deciding on that. Uh, let's turn to another matter affecting the judiciary. This is the process now that has uh, begun to liquidate the seized assets of a Japanese firm that has been ignoring— a court ruling to compensate Korean victims of Japan's wartime forced labor.
1: That's right. And the firm in question is Nippon Steel. The Pohang branch of the Daegu District Court has ordered the beginning of legal procedures to liquidate the seized assets of Nippon Steel, worth around 800,000 U.S. dollars. Now, this goes back to a 2018 ruling where the Korean Supreme Court ordered Nippon Steel to pay 100, and, 100 million won each to four Korean forced labor victims. Nippon Steel didn't comply and their assets were seized. The Tegu District Court has decided to employ an extraordinary move called a public notice because the Japanese foreign ministry didn't do their job of passing on the court documents onto Nippon Steel. And because it's a public notice, the liquidation may not begin until two months later on August 4th when it's considered that the notification has been served.
0: The Japanese government, they're not happy about this. They're angry. Uh, We've seen what they did with these uh, unilateral uh, trade restrictions. And now they're warning of additional retaliatory uh, measures.
1: That's right. Japan's Chief Cabinet Secretary Yoshihide Suga said in a briefing yesterday that the liquidation could bring about a serious situation and must be avoided by both sides. He added that in light of protecting the economic activity of Japanese companies, Japan will respond to the issue with, quote, every option on the table.
0: Korea has uh, essentially responded, bring it on. Uh, We're going to be able to handle Mm -hmm. uh, whatever you're going to throw at us. Final story, uh, another update on the situation in the U.S. President Donald Trump's uh, former defense uh, secretary publicly attacking Trump's handling over the ongoing protests of the uh, racist murder of George Floyd.
1: Right, so James Mattis, he's broken his two-year-long silence uh, since he's resigned as Secretary of Defense Uh, in December of 2018. He's kept mostly silent about Donald Trump and Donald Trump's performance as a president. Uh, But this all changed yesterday when, through a statement published online by U.S. magazine The Atlantic, James Mattis said that Trump is the first president in his lifetime who doesn't try to unite the American people and instead tries to divide them. And regarding events outside the White House on Monday night that allowed Trump's Bible photo op, Metas said that he never dreamt that military troops would be ordered to violate the constitutional rights of their fellow citizens as opposed to upholding them. And Donald Trump, true to his style, posted a series of tweets Wednesday night local time in which he called the retired Marine general overrated and claims to have fired Mattis and coined the nickname Mad Dog.
0: Well, let's get another perspective on uh, what's going on, this protest movement, how it's affecting uh, black lives and how maybe Koreans here can uh, show support. We're very pleased to be joined by the host of TBS EFM's Men on Air, Greg Priester. Hello. Hello.
2: Yeah, good morning. How's it going?
0: Well good morning to you. I'm not sure how early uh you usually get up but uh we definitely thank you for getting up at <laughs> seven uh twenty a m greg uh this is the first time I've had the pleasure of talking to you and I just want to assure you that um unlike the uh billion other t v or uh radio uh Korean programs you've been on, I will not ask you to sing uh Hu sang nayo uh, on air <laughs> four <laughs> so, so uh, uh there's that promise uh but uh to be serious as as you know probably better than uh most yeah, of us sure. uh this has been uh, uh very, very painful issue for, for many, many people. Uh, but what we talk about and the media attention that's being paid here in Korea, we often see that the focus can be on other things like uh, Korean-owned businesses in LA, or is this going to be similar oh. to the the, the the Rodney King situation in 1992? Uh, can you just give, as, 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 as a black American living in Korea, uh, how you've felt about the coverage uh, so far with the uh, George Floyd protests?
2: Well, it's been interesting. Um, I stopped to look at it a few days ago and just thought, okay, how is it compared to the past? And it's a big change. Uh, This time around, I feel like globally, more people are actually stopping and looking at it and saying, oh, my goodness, this is really happening. Whereas in the past, it's like, oh, that's in America or that's in another country. It's not really that relevant unless something's happening to someone connected to me. And so uh, my mom and I were talking and she said, well, this is cool. South Korea is actually kind of protesting along with America this time. Europe is protesting, you know, South America too. I said, yeah, I think for this time, since we're already kind of united against coronavirus, it's also reuniting us against racism in a way. So it's like, wow, uh, it's a big transition. So uh I'm glad to see how people are responding to it this time. People are really into it. But at the same time, there's still that side that's a little disappointing because some people are going, oh, are we still talking about racism? And I go, well, if we're still talking about it, imagine how tired some people are of living through it. And so we have to look at it from both sides. I'm glad people are, you know, opening their eyes to this situation as being something that's still happening even in 2020, you know?
0: Yeah, and as tragic as it was, it was just how uh, explicit uh, that video was. Uh, Oh, my goodness. You you, you can't, I mean, we've had the situation with Michael Brown and and Eric Floyd and and even other cases where you don't even have video evidence like Breonna Taylor. And you can't look at this situation with george floyd and go well we don't know his criminal record or uh, we don't yeah, know what happened before the uh, videotape was on it was just nine minutes of of pure evil i think uh, oh, i'll awesome. awesome. agree uh when uh, you have a lot of korean friends here and i'm sure. sure you're in a dialogue with them for for people who as you say um, maybe there are some disappointing reactions to this sure. sometimes but uh for people uh here in korea who who want to be allies uh you know, you can you can donate to a cause like um, Black Lives Matter or any other advocacy group for uh, people of color. But what what do you think people who can be allies um, can do uh, besides listening and uh, being sympathetic?
2: I think a really good thing is to have the conversation. And that's what I've been seeing more and more people doing. I'm loving that your show does it. I've been listening in the morning this week to tune in and see oh, wow. the reactions. Yeah, I was checking to see what you were saying to make sure, you know. Uh, and it's great because people are having the conversation and going, okay why is this an issue why is this connected to me is it only just a black issue is it just black lives matter well that's the the main point of it of course in the usa right now but it comes down to the human race would you want someone in your family to die at the hands of a police officer just because Mm -hmm. and honestly that's not what it should be uh the police should not be the the judge and jury. They should be the ones to deescalate the situation, get the facts and then get you to a, uh, I mean, a police station or something and then let the court sort out that system. They shouldn't be the final. And so that's what this comes down to. Of course, yeah, we want everybody to be having this conversation and saying, no, this is not right. It's really something that if you wanna protest, yeah, go ahead and yeah. go out and protest about it. But really the focus is we're all human. We all have a right to life. There should be nothing like this occurring. You can't see a police officer walking into someone's home and shooting them. Someone holding them down on the street for nine minutes and begging for their life. That is absolutely wrong. And that's the conversation I'm glad to see. People are talking about it and they're starting to donate if some protests are going on, even in in this area these days. So that's what I I love to see. And I'm glad people keep having the conversation. Yeah.
0: Greg. Greg. Thanks. And I uh, hope to uh, see you in person soon uh, when uh, things settle down. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for the conversation. Keep it going, man. Thank I appreciate you. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, take care. Greg Priester, host of TBS EFM's Men On Air. That's going to do it for us as well. Misurang. thank you uh, once again. As always, have a good weekend.
1: Thank you.